Welcome back to Let's Talk About God. The most exciting hour you'll have in your entire week. <laughs> whole week. Your ent- maybe the whole month. Can't get better than this. <clears throat> Nothing right. We are, we are just ready to go. We're ready to talk. I'm ramped up. I got some sugar in my body. It's got me fired up. I'm going to have to just keep myself settled down. Went to the smoking pig. Had a half rack of ribs glazed. With some sweet potato fries, drizzled with honey, mm. and some fried okra. Set it off, offset it with a diet, Dr. Pepper. That makes everything all right. Mm. It's weird to be recording in the afternoon. Usually we record in the morning. We do, but today we we switched it up. Just mixed it up. Mixed it up a little bit. So got, I, got I, full. I'm ready for football season. Oh, yeah. But then I got to remember, we record these a month early, so... Our listeners are saying, hey, it is football season. It is season. football season, yeah. So we're really enjoying it right now, we think. Yeah, man. Aren't <laughs> the Tigers playing great? Uh, when they beat Georgia, that oh, was awesome. They clobbered Georgia them. in that really close game. They clobbered them in that the really close game. The close game. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we're prophetic here on yes, this podcast. I hope we're being prophetic right now because if not, we have a guy on staff who's from Georgia and he's gonna mm. he's gonna rub it in, rub it in. That's okay. That's part of football. It is part of football, but yeah. I don't want it to be true, nonetheless. Well, you know, it could put a bad reflection on <laughs> If you get this prophecy wrong, now I'm going to have to take a good, hard look in the mirror. Yeah, there, there's our feeble attempts at a pun. <laughs> so last week, two weeks ago, last podcast, we talked about the law of God and one of the uses of the law of God, which is that it curbs or restrains sinners from being worse than what sinners already are. Yeah. Okay. But today we're going to talk about another use of the law. And actually, I think we're going to, the next podcast, we're going to talk about a third one, right? That's right. So three whole uses. Three whole uses. So you have to wait till next, next time to do this. But uh, so, so what is the second use? Today we are talking about the law as a mirror. And what we really mean there is that um, the second use of the law is that the law convicts sinners of their sin. So the reason we call it a mirror is that the law kind of holds up a picture of yourself and says, Hey, you've broken these laws. You are a sinner. This is who you are. So it's a, it's a way to look and look and reflect on your own self and your own sin that you've committed. And then ultimately in seeing your sinfulness and the direness of your straight, you then say, I need help. Yes. I, I got I, I need somebody to deliver me, rescue me, save me. The conviction of the law and the condemnation of the law even should always point us towards the hope of the gospel. Yeah. Towards Jesus. Goal. Towards Jesus. Towards the Savior. That's right. Who can fix who can change the image in the mirror. So if last week was about how the law is a good gift to all humanity, uh saints and sinners alike, for just the good of the world. Today's discussion is how the law uh, specifically works towards sinners. How the law, this is really the law only operating towards sinners. I'm really struggling right now. Why? I'm just, I'm just, you just don't know. It's it's the glaze off the ribs. (laughs) Because right now I'm just having Michael Jackson go, I'm looking at the man. Oh, gosh. (laughs) 
I'm asking him to change his ways. All right. All right. No question could be any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make that change. There it is. I had to get that out. Coleman, can you cut that out, please? I don't know if you can. Oh, no. Just delete that part. I mean, I'm just... Thinking about all the people right now, they're trying not to wreck on the road, the interstate, laughing their heads off Gosh. right now. I mean, I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm a product of the 80s, and I'm just like, there it is, Michael Jackson. <laughs> Michael Jackson knew about the, the second use of he the law. He knew about the, he, he, was, he was studied. All right, I'll settle and down. Well studied I'll, I'll, I'll try it. I'm drinking water, maybe to dilute the sugar and get me <laughs> back settled down. So why do, why do we need this function of the law, that the law uh, is something that convicts us and condemns us of our sin? that is a mirror for our sin. Um, the first reason we need that, um, or the, re- the reason we need uh, the law to convict us of our sin is because of the consequences of our sin. Uh, we're all born into sin. Paul tells us that we are by nature children of wrath, deserving God's wrath. Um, we're all sinners and we're guilty of breaking God's law and we're in need of forgiveness. And so we are in this dire need to be set free from our sin and forgiven of our sin. Uh, because of our guilt, we're deserving of death. We know that the wages of sin is death. So not only are we guilty, but we're under this uh, this death sentence, and we're all dead. Condemnation. So, yeah, condemned, <clears throat> spiritually separated from God, spiritually dead. And Christ has called us to repent and believe and to trust in the gospel, to trust in him, to enter into his kingdom but interest into the kingdom requires belief, and before you can ever hit belief, it requires repentance or turning away from your sins. But I can't believe my sins are forgiven unless I first recognize that I am a sinner and I'm in need of forgiveness and I repent for my sins. So that's what the law does for me. Yeah, it's kind of like I, I like to talk about a lot. I use this analogy that people can swim, especially in the ocean, and especially if they get in a riptide, they don't know, like when we think of somebody drowning, we think about somebody that all of a sudden is going under the water. T- but you could be slowly drowning and you don't know it. You're mm-hmm. out there swimming and you start swimming against the current and the current's stronger than you and it's wearing you down and it's slowly killing you. You don't mm-hmm. realize it until you reach a point of weakness where you can't keep yourself up, tread water, and you go into the water and you drown. There's two different ways to drown. And, and that's what I say is a lot of people don't know they need, that they're drowning and they need to be rescued by a lifeguard yeah. Until the, there has to be a moment where, because they think, I'm okay, I'm swimming. And they're not making, the, the current's pushing for because that's what a riptide does. It pushes you further. And that's why you're supposed to swim with the current, not against it. Most people don't know that. And so until you realize that you won't yell for help. Yeah. So the law helps you to see you're drowning. Yeah. You're, you're dying. You're dying. You need help. Right. That's really, really good. So let's look at uh, scripturally the ways that, that the scripture tells us that the law points out our sin. So first we've got Romans uh, chapter three, verse 20. The apostle Paul says, for no one will be justified in his sight by works of the law because the knowledge of sin comes through the law. So what does the law do? We, we aren't justified by works of the law. In fact, it's the very opposite. The knowledge of sin comes through the law. So it's the law that uh, tells me what sin is, and it points out my sin, and it says, hey, you've committed these sins, therefore you are now under condemnation. So when I look at the law, I can't say, 
great job, I'm justified. Every time I look at the law, I go, oh my goodness, I've broken that and that and that. I'm condemned to death. So the knowledge of sin comes through the law. Then we've got Romans chapter 7, verses 7 through 8. It says, what should we say then? Is the law sin? Absolutely not. But I would not have known sin if it were not for the law. For example, I would have not known what it is to covet if the law had not said, do not covet. In sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment produced in me coveting of every kind. For apart from the law, sin is dead. So now what is the Apostle Paul saying? The law isn't sin itself, but the law points out my sin. And by the law saying, hey, for instance, coveting is sin, well, now it makes me guilty. And the other thing that the law does is it actually kind of makes it worse because when the law tells me coveting is sin, it almost inflames my sinful nature And then I want to go do what I know I'm not supposed to do. And now I'm under more condemnation. So as the law points out my sin, it condemns me, then it inflames my sinful nature, and I want to go do it even more. And so I wouldn't know what sin was unless the law told me. So the law points out my sin, and it brings me under this condemnation. Then finally, we've got 1 John 1, verse 10, that says, if we say we have not sinned, We make him a liar, talking about God, and his word is not in us. And so what is John trying to say? That the message that God has given us is that we all have sin. And so the point is we are all condemned by God's law. Right, and so we can't depend on ourselves to get us out of our situation. We have to depend on God. I I think I I read somewhere where it basically goes like this. You can't get out of sin until you realize you're in sin. Yep. That's about as simple as you could put it. That's right. And so that's, that is the function of the law. I mean, it's really a simple concept, um, but that's what it does. It condemns us of our sin. Well, I'll give you an example that, that might connect. So this is 2021 in October of 2020. I didn't see uh, the mirror, but I saw a photograph of myself uh, uh, sitting in the floor with one of my grandkids. And I knew that I had gained weight through the years and you just kind of learn to live with it and you don't really think much about it. But even up to those last few months, I think I'd put on even a few more pounds than normal. But I saw a photograph of myself, a picture, Mm. an image, which is what a mirror is. It's an image of of self-reflection. And I just, it embarrassed me. It, It made me feel terrible. I thought, you know, I look at myself, I don't really pay attention because I'm used to me. But I said, this is what I look like? And when people say, and it sparked me that I said, I got to do something about this because I've always been skinny. You know, I'm just, I've let time and age mm-hmm. and whatever. And that motivated me to go on a diet. I started this diet, Optavia, a little crash commercial right there yeah. for Optavia. And uh, for three months, because um, it really started the end of October, November, December, January. It's stupid enough to do it during the holidays. Wasn't that dumb? Mm-hmm. That I, while, while the rest of y'all were eating, all the moms cooking and Thanksgiving. Remember, I was eating. I was eating turkey and green yeah. beans. That was it. But I lost thirty pounds, and uh, and, I, and I got down to you know I'm skinny again. You know I'm I'm down at a, lost weight sizes. Had to go buy new clothes because all my and uh, the point is it took a reflection. It took an image. Yeah of me seeing myself as I really was. Because see, in my mind, I just got used to it. And that's what you do in sin. You just get used to being who you are. Mm-hmm. And it takes you getting another image of yourself. 
And that's what the law does. It helps you to see that you are not what you should be yeah. or what you could be. I can't help you though. The law mm-hmm. says, but I can't help you. All I can do is show you how bad you are. Yeah. Okay. But, but you got to go, you got to go to the source. For me, it was a diet for the sinner. It's Jesus. That's good. You know, I think it's worth before we, before we talk about how the law brings us to the gospel, I think it's worth dealing with Paul's question that he, he kind of deals with here in two different places. You know, Paul is insistent that what the law does is it condemns. It doesn't justify. It doesn't make you righteous. You see, the Jewish folks at the time thought that the law could justify them. So if I, um, if I make sure that I'm circumcised and I observe the Sabbath and I do a number of things, then I can be saved. Whether that's pure, you know, perf- they, they believe that they were perfectly following the law or hey, if I can just be a good enough Jew and follow it enough, regardless, they thought the function of the law is to save my soul. Yeah, it scores points with God and makes me right it with God. It makes me right with God. Which then makes me righteous. So the Pharisees especially thought they were that's right. Right, but they were self-righteous. Exactly. There's a difference between God-righteous and self-righteous. And the way Paul is explaining the law is, however you want to approach it, A, if you think that you can perfectly follow the law, well, we've got bad news for you. If you actually look at the law, you can't. You can't. Right. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. When Paul makes that statement, he's talking about Jew and Gentile. You see, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, first to the Jew and also to the Gentile. But what that means is first the Jew is a sinner and also a Gentile is a sinner right. in need of salvation. So if you think that you can literally perfectly follow the law, then you can't. And then the other thing he's trying to say about the law is, hey, let's say you think I could just be like a decent Jew, like not follow it perfectly, but as long as I'm circumcised and I follow the feast days and I do a decent enough job. And I'm doing a better job than, than that guy, this guy over here. Then I'm fine. Well, here's the problem. The law doesn't work that way either. The law demands perfect obedience. And I think it was James who said, if you've broken one part of the law, you've broken Broken the whole law. Exactly. And what that means, it means that you are under condemnation. And so- You're a lawbreaker. You're a lawbreaker. Yeah. And Paul is insistent that no matter how you approach it, when you head to the law, the only thing the law tells you is that you're a sinner. The only thing it tells you is you're under condemnation. You've broken one, and therefore you've broken them all. But then the next question was, well, does that mean that the law is bad? You know, that's why the person, say, person says, should, should we believe that the law is sin? Should we say that the law is sin? Should we just get rid of it? Well, absolutely not. No. I think it's worth us making the distinction that Paul makes. The law is actually really, really good. The law, like we talked about last episode, is the expression of God's perfection, his righteousness, his perfect nature. And Paul makes this distinction here in chapter seven, where we read the law is perfect, but the person who's imperfect is us. The law tells us how to perfectly live, but it's our sinful nature and our sinful nature's response to that good message of God's moral law that then goes off and sins. It's when our sinful nature hears about the law of God that the, we then want to go off and disobey it. But the point that we're trying to make here is that the law is not bad or something to be hated or or disregarded. And, you know, I think a lot of the times the law gets a bad rap and we, you know, we get a little bit of confusion there and, and we'll be like, well, that's legalistic or that's law or that's bad. The law is really, really good. And we, we're kind of assuming, because we, we, we talked about this 
extensively. Maybe maybe we better set a backdrop. <clears throat> We're not talking about the ceremonial laws. We're nope. not talking about the civil laws in the Old Testament. We're talking about the moral law, the which Ten is Commandments. basically the Ten Commandments. And then there's some others mm-hmm. through the Bible that connect with the Ten Commandments. But but your your main drive. So the moral law of God. That's right. Yeah, which is about right and wrong. That's right. And so really I guess we're just trying to say the moral the moral law of God is really really good. It's really really healthy. There's nothing wrong with that. And if you read Paul, uh, you know, especially in Romans and in Galatians, Paul's never advocating for ditching the law. He's never advocating for getting rid of it. He's not saying the law is evil, the law is bad. The law just serves a certain function and it's never to save you. It can't Every time we're confronted by the law, the only thing it does is condemn us. So the next point is, what does it do? It points you to Jesus. Yep. So it says, and I'd said this earlier, I can't save you. The law says, I can't save you. You know, I looked in the mirror, I looked at that picture, and the picture said, yeah, yeah, you've gained a whole lot of weight. Mm-hmm. You know, you've let yourself go. You ought to be ashamed. I can't, picture said, I can't do anything for you. Yep. I can just show you, but a diet will. And so sinner says, so the, the law, once it shows me my sinfulness, then points me to Jesus. To my need for Christ. And this is what Paul talks about in Romans 3, 20 through 24, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Paul says, um, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, attested by the law and prophets, which there he, he means the Old Testament. The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, since there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and they are justified or declared righteous freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So what is he saying? When we look at the law, the law condemns us. The law says that we're sinners. The law tells us that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But now apart from the law, separate from the law, over here, the righteousness of God has been revealed. This has always been the message of the law and the prophets, the Old Testament. It's the righteousness of God that doesn't come through me obeying the law perfectly, because I can't, the law condemns me, but it comes through faith in Jesus Christ to those who believe. Who came to this earth and actually fulfilled the law because he was sinless. So Jesus never broke a Ten Commandments. That's right. As, As the incarnate son of God. He never broke the Ten Commandments. That's why he's the he's the sinless lamb without blemish mm. that was qualified to die for us for our sins. And so that's that's what's key is he he said I didn't come to destroy the law but fulfill the law and he did fulfill the law. That's right. And that's what makes him qualified as our perfect redeemer. Christ, and, yeah, Christ fully satisfied the demands of the law in both ways. So Christ in his life never sinned. And so we would say that we receive his righteousness imputed to us or his perfection, his clean record is given to us. But Christ also satisfies the law because the law demands death for sinners. So not only did Christ live a perfect life satisfying the law, but the law says, hey, if you do sin, you have to die. And so what does Christ do? Now on our behalf, he dies on the cross, satisfying the demands of the law by dying for us. Which I love that you put Romans 10, 4 in the notes, which then just says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for, wow. to everyone who believes. So it's just what you said. Not only did he satisfy everything, and not only did he die and, and pay sin's price, which is death, mm-hmm. but then he said, on, his, on the cross, he said, it is finished. 
And that's the point. It's done. Yep. Okay, stop. It's stop trying to do what you've been trying to do, and that is to get righteous by the law. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's finished. What I've done means there is a righteousness now available. You don't have to do this anymore. I love that. I just, I mean, that Paul makes that real clear. It's really, really good. And I think uh, another text that helps us here is Galatians chapter three, verses 10 through 14. It's kind of a long passage. It says this, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse because it is written, everyone who does not do Everything written in the book of the law is cursed. Now it is clear that no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. But the law is not based on faith. Instead, the one who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us because it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by Christ Jesus so that we could receive the promised spirit through faith. I mean, Paul is just basically reiterating exactly what we just said there. Um, If you rely on the works of the law, you're under the curse because everyone who doesn't do everything written in the book of the law is cursed. Well, we haven't done everything. We've fallen short. So we're under a curse. So no one's justified before God by the law because the Bible says the righteous will live by faith, not by the works of the law. So basically what Christ does is he redeems us from the curse of the law by stepping in our place and becoming that curse for us. He takes the curse off us by becoming a curse. Um, There's another verse that I have that I I researched that I think really points this whole concept of the moral law pointing me to Jesus, and it's Galatians 3.24. We we were really reading Galatians 3.10 through 14, but Paul said, therefore the law was our tutor. Mm. And that word means a guardian or a schoolmaster or a trainer to bring us to Christ. So therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. So mm-hmm. maybe that's as clearly as we can say how the law points me to Christ. It's actually saying here mm. <clears throat> that we might be justified by faith. So back in that day, um, <clears throat> say a guy had a family, he would hire, or he might, it, sometimes it's a slave, a household slave, uh, a, a person to be a tutor over the kids. And so he would, he, they would, train the kids and teach the kids and give them an education and and, and, and discipline them and even. discipline. Yeah. So one translation actually called this word tutor, a disciplinarian. Mm. So that's what that person did, but they're leading them to the point where they can eventually become a, a fully functioning, mature child, like a son. She's using for the mm-hmm. son of the family where the father could then say, because the tutor has led you uh, and trained you up to a point, now you're qualified or you're able then to step in in the roles of leadership in this family and yeah. with the wealth and with the business and whatever. So so that's what Paul has in mind is the tutor can't do anything for the child to make the child a son or to make the child be able to go off and do these things, but the tutor can just lead them. Mm. And to the point, to the person, to the point where they grow and learn. So, um, you know, Paul's getting this image in his mind is that, that the tutor can only do so much, can't can't change. But Jesus, you know, the law will get you to Jesus, and then Jesus can change you, and he can and you know change your life, and then yeah, that's that's what that's ultimately what has to happen for all of us. The tutor, 
the tutor doesn't bring you to maturity. It's for the immature. The, the tutor is temporary. The tutor is eventually to be set aside. The tutor is for you when you're like a little child, but eventually it goes away when you reach that point of, of maturity and completion. And that's what it is to be in Christ. And, and if you really want to carry this image, the, the, the child is under the tutor. Mm-hmm. It's under, he's under the authority of the tutor until he reaches age and matures. And then when he becomes master of the house and he becomes, then he becomes, it switches and he becomes an authority over the tutor, mm. just like his father. And because his position has changed. And that's, I think that's why Paul is seeing this image is that sin, the, the law has us trying to, trying to lead us out and show us that you need to, you need to mature and you need Jesus. And then once you have Jesus and you're transformed and change your character, Evan, then boom, no longer is the law trying to get you to Christ. Christ is in you mm-hmm. and you're saved. You're changed. Well, now there's a flip. And if you will, I'm in authority over the moral law of God. Obviously not. Not literally. literally, but what it means now is instead of it being something trying to influence me, now it's something I'm trying to live out. Mm. Now I'm out, I'm living out and fleshing it out. Or before, I'm just trying to figure out how to become a person who can, you know, live that. So I think that image is pretty close for what Paul's trying to show us uh, is that where the law's telling me you're wrong, wrong, wrong. When I get saved, now I go. I, I can do this. The law uh, doesn't slap me on the wrist anymore and say, no, 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 because, I'm complete and mature in Christ. Well, because now I say, I don't lie anymore. I'm saved. I used to lie when I was in sin. The law kept saying, don't lie. But now that I'm saved and I'm changed and the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, I don't lie anymore. All right, so this guy over here bought a brand new truck. Hey, I like it, but I'm not sitting here saying, man, I wish that truck was mine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's your truck. You know, I'm not coveting what you want. And, and then I don't, you know, I'm over here and I'm looking at this good-looking woman, but she's married. I'm like, fine, she's attractive. Praise the Lord. It's, it's, it's his wife. You know, it's not my wife. I got a wife. Or if I don't have a wife, it's like, I, in other words, now I'm living the law mm-hmm. because of the Christ, the God in me who wrote the law. I'm now reflecting that law. And then when I do fall short in that legal sense, uh, the law has been perfectly satisfied on my behalf by Christ. Even when I do fall short, I've received Christ's righteousness and I've received the benefits of Christ's death for me. The law has been fulfilled, completed perfectly, and satisfied on my account, and even when I do fail. And there's grace then to restore me from that failure, and I, then I continue to rise and live and fulfill the law. That's right. I am in Christ. I am covered with Christ's righteousness, so the law can't condemn me because I am in Christ. I am clothed with him yeah. and his righteousness. Y'all, it's, it's like night and day. I, you're like When you're a sinner— trying to do right sometimes can be hard because certain things are harder than others. But when you get saved, is is living right still hard? Well, I mean, it can be, but it's way easier. It's way easier because your nature changes. It's just, it's it's like, I don't know how to describe it. It's just, it's, it's like, a, it's like a, a pig can't be a human. All right, like we, we humanize our dogs, right? <laughs> so the dog will do little things and we say, oh, that, that's so cute. You know, the dog will lay its head on your shoulder like a baby does or whatever. You think. Oh, and we humanize our, but it's still a dog. Yeah. Okay, but if the dog could snap your fingers and the dog actually becomes a human, mm-hmm. then it's totally different. And that's what it is in Christ. You're given a new nature. Yeah. And you just, now you act like, you act like God. You're God-like. You're not, you're not 
like not in his divine fiat stuff and all his, but you're, you're that's what it means to be godly is to be godlike. You're being renewed after the image of your creator, right. as Paul says. And morally and yes. in my character. Mm-hmm. So that's great. So we've kind of set up this, this system now where, uh, the, the preaching of the law points out my sin. It convicts me of my sin. It tells me I'm a sinner but ultimately, the goal isn't to stop there and stay condemned. It's to point me towards Christ, who then declares me righteous and forgiven and clean and satisfies the law on my behalf and then begins to make me really and truly righteous. So the pairing that we've made is the preaching of the law, which then leads to the preaching of the gospel. And this is key for our preaching today. This is key for our preaching as preachers, as teachers, as somebody evangelizing, and I don't just mean somebody who shows up to your church, but even one-on-one, what you always want to do one way or another is the law always has to be presented in all of its sternness and firmness, which should always lead to the gospel and all of its hope and all of its forgiveness and all of its sweetness. And we actually see this kind of preaching in the scriptures, So like if we were to go to the Apostle Peter's Pentecost sermon, he tells the crowd there that they're guilty of crucifying Jesus. He says, this Jesus whom you crucified, God has made both Lord and Christ. So he begins with preaching the law. You've broken the law. You're murderers. You killed God. You crucified God. And he he brings that conviction. And then it's after he preaches the law, you're a sinner that he also preaches the gospel, which in part he does there. He's made them both Lord and Christ. But we also know that after he preaches the law, it says that the people were pierced to the heart and they asked, what should we do? And then the apostle Peter tells them to repent and to trust in this Lord and this Christ and their sins would be forgiven. So even in the scriptures, we've got this law gospel paradigm. You have to begin with the law that says you are a sinner. You have broken the law of God. You are under condemnation. But my goodness, you never want to stay there. You just leave everybody depressed and sad. Then you follow up with the gospel and all of its goodness, all of the good news. But God has made this man, both Lord and Christ, repent of your sins and he will forgive you and give you the Holy Spirit. He will wash you and make you clean. And then the Holy Spirit of God, who is all places at all times with all power, is right there with you. You're never doing anything absent the presence and power of God. That's right. And so you, whether you're sharing one-on-one or talking to a group of people or you're doing like we do and stand before a crowd and preach or you're teaching a group, whatever, the Holy Spirit's there. Mm-hmm. Every time the gospel's preached, he's there. And he takes that moment to take that law and 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 like you said, like you said, he he works conviction, that pervenient grace mm-hmm. that's preparing that hard drawing. But, but part of pervenient grace is conviction and he convicts them. And then they make that decision as they hear the gospel. That's right. Then to see hope. So they go from conviction to to hope and they can be saved. Um, you ever heard of a guy named Kirk Cameron? Yes, the director, uh, right? Right. Well, for you, he's the director. When I was young, he was an actor on a really popular TV show called Growing Pains. Mm-hmm. And so everybody who's my age back, I think it was in the 80s, yeah. uh, remembers that TV show. And he was a real popular actor. And then of course, his sister played on Full House, Right. Is that was that Who? his sister Cameron? 
Is that his sister? I don't know. Well, his last name's Cameron. Oh, his last name's Cameron. And I'm sorry, I get, I'm getting confused. <laughs> anyway, I thought he had a sister. Anyway, okay, never mind. Anyway, Kirk Cameron. All right, so Kirk's the director now, and he did the, I think he was in the Left Behind mm-hmm. series, so a lot of people know him for that. Anyway, here's the point. Uh, Kirk Cameron's a Christian. He's saved and, and loves Jesus. Kirk Cameron got connected with an organization called Living Waters and uh, just revolutionized his life. And he listened to a CD by a guy named Ray Comfort. You ever heard of him? Uh Uh-uh. Okay, so Ray Comfort is um, the founder and CEO of Living Waters, and he's an evangelist, like a one-on-one evangelist. So I listened to the CD that Kirk Cameron listened to that revolutionized it. He'll tell you, he said, revolutionized my life. And so now he's a spokesperson. Mm -hmm. So what Ray Comfort shared, it was fascinating, is that when he witnesses to people anywhere, he goes about it doing the very things that we're talking about in this podcast. So here's a simple version. He'll start a conversation with somebody and he'll say, hey, you know the Ten Commandments? They'll say, yeah, yeah, I know some of them. He said, okay. Uh, He said, you think you're a good person? Yeah, yeah, I think I'm a pretty good person. He said, okay, you think you're going to heaven? And he said, some people say, no, I'm not going to heaven. And some people say, yeah, you think you're good enough to go to heaven? Yeah, yeah, I think I'm good enough to go to heaven. He said, okay. Then he goes back to the Ten Commandments. He said, uh, you ever broke the Ten Commandments? Uh, I don't know, you know, maybe maybe some of them, I don't know. I've seen his interviews. Mm-hmm. I've watched him actually interview people. And he said, okay, he said, uh, you ever use the Lord's name in vain? Oh, yeah, I've done that. He said, okay, he said, you ever lied to anybody? Oh man, yeah, I've done that. He said, all right, you, uh, you ever killed anybody? Oh no, no, I've never killed anybody. He said, he'll say, okay. He said, you ever looked at somebody and said, man, I wish you were dead. Oh man, yeah, I've done that a lot of times. So he takes them through not only the letter of the law, the spirit of the law. Yeah. You ever dishonored your parents? Oh yeah, man, I've done some, I've said some things. He takes them through it. He says, still think you're a good person? <laughs> and by the time he says, I get through taking them through the Ten Commandments, they go, no, 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 I'm not a good person. I'm a pretty bad person. And he says, I have learned. He does this time and time again. He says, I take them through the Ten Commandments. He said, they get under conviction. Yeah. He said, then I share the gospel. And I said, but you want to tell you how you can become a good person? And he said, I, then I just tell them the gospel. And he says, I lead people to Jesus all the time. Wow. Is that cool or what? That's I, fantastic. And I never heard anybody in all the evangelism things I'd heard in courses and books I'd heard. I never heard anybody say that before. But he does it all the time. Mm. All the time. And he says, people realize I'm a bad person through the moral law. He said, we don't need anything else. He said, we got the moral law. Is that great? Just what you and I are talking about. That's fantastic. Yeah, and I think that's important to note that it's one-on-one, that it's, this is not just for like preachers to get up there and just go through, but this is something you can share with friends and with family members. And obviously there's a certain level of feel that you have to have when you're going about one-on-one. It's like, I don't necessarily recommend just like, shaking somebody's hand for the first time and then going, you're going to hell. Like maybe get to know them, take them out for coffee, like be a normal human. But with every step of the way, eventually eventually, you want to get to that point where you're sharing the, the moral law and sharing how we've all fallen short, including that person in front of you. Well, the word, it's got to be there. Right, and the way Ray did it was so great because he did it with strangers. Mm-hmm. But he was able to just say, hey, can we talk? You know, talk a minute. You know, can I ask you some questions? And you answer them, and they'll go, sure. Exactly. Know? And then he's just, they're, they're, they're benign questions. They're harmless. You know, you think you're a good person? Yeah, yeah I think I'm a pretty good person. You know? Yeah. And uh, then by the time he gets done with through the Ten Commandments, like, no, nah, I'm not. I'm not really a good person. <laughs> well, then then I'll ask him. You still think you should go to heaven? And he'll, I've watched him. They'll say, 
Nah, man. Nah, man. Not after. I, I don't think I, I don't think I'm qualified to go to heaven. I mean, he'll ask him. Yeah. See, he starts with that, goes through the moral law, shows them that they're not, and then he'll ask him the questions again, and they're like, "No, I, I'm, I'm not a good person. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think I, I don't think I, I don't think I'm going, I don't think I'm going to heaven." Yeah. And he said, "Well, let me tell you how you can be a good person. How you can go to heaven." And then he'll say, "The same guy that, same God that wrote that moral law sent his son Jesus." To die. So it's like you said, then he presents the gospel. Yeah. So, you know, maybe our listeners here in our podcast can say, hey, I'm going to try that next time. Somebody try it because yeah. it's not a gimmick. It's the word. It's, yeah. it's the plo- biblical it's the, model. It's the evangelism model that's in, in the Bible. Before we move on, I want let's, let's talk about, and <laughs> this is kind of funny, let's talk about the two worst kinds of preachers. This is hilarious. Okay. But this two, is, here are the two worst kinds of preachers. The two worst kinds of preachers, in my opinion, are the preachers who either never preach the law of God and then the preachers who only preach the law of God. I'd agree with that. So the first kind of the preachers who never preach the law of God, and these are the people who preach to people with itching ears. And so basically they never want to offend anyone. They never want to tell anyone that they're a sinner they never make want to make anyone feel bad about themselves or like there's something wrong with them. And these are the types of folks who want to draw a crowd, get a lot of ties and offerings, say that they have like a big church or a big following or a big whatever. Don't want to offend somebody. No, never want to offend someone and just want to preach kind of motivational messages. God's on your side. And get lots blah, of blah, likes blah, blah, blah. on social media. And just basically be like a, a glorified motivational speaker without ever telling people about a savior without ever warning someone about the situation they're in without it's like looking at a group of drowning people and just saying you're doing great you keep going without ever telling them you're drowning you're not doing good you're doing awful you're dying if you could just expand your vision you can (laughs) can swim you can do anything you can do anything and this type of preaching is so dangerous just for that reason that You've gotten this crowd of sinners before you, but rather than telling them they are in sin, here is a savior, you're basically telling people you're all right. There's no issue. Yeah, it's like going to the doctor and you've got some serious issues going on physically, health-wise, but the doctor says, you're okay. (laughs) He doesn't want to offend you. Yeah, I don't want to offend you. I'm not going to really tell you. (laughs) What are those x-rays? Well, let's don't talk about your x-rays. Let's just talk about you look good. Your hair looks good. Let's focus on what's right in your life. Is that a new haircut? <laughs> Ma'am, did you color your hair? That's something different. Is that that's a new shirt you're wearing? <laughs> you look so good. You could do anything you want to do. Yeah, it's it's funny then, because then is that doctor helping you? No. You're gonna walk out of there dying with cancer or lung right. disease or you know, whatever. Yeah. So so what's the other one? The other one is the one who preaches it all the time. So the yeah, the other one is the person who never or excuse me, who only preaches the law. But they never include the gospel. So they get up there and maybe you think, hey, I've walked into the right place because they're letting everybody know you're a sinner. Uh, you're going to hell. Like you've done something, you know, you've broken the Ten Commandments. You need to, you know, you're not living right, blah, 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 blah. And then instead of offering the gospel, right? So they've crushed you with the law. They've destroyed you with the law. Now, instead of, of applying the balm of the gospel, the, the healing message of the gospel, 
They just tell you, you get your act together and straighten up. So that's like that you go to the doctor, a different doctor, and the doctor says, yeah, we did your blood work, and you've got uh, your creatinine's too high, and your triglycerides are through the roof, and your cholesterol's out of whack, and uh, you, you may have cancer. We're seeing something there wrong in the bloodstream, and, and that'll be $100, and you go have a good day, and I'll see you the next <laughs> visit. <laughs> or $100, and... Hope you can go get your act together, but I'm not giving you any medicine. Yeah, no medicine. Yep. <laughs> it's yeah. like a doctor who won't give you surgery, won't give you medicine, won't give you treatment. Just tell you everything that's wrong with you and say, hey, hope you can go fix it. You need to get yeah, your but act But you want together. him to come back. It's just like the preacher wants you to come back the next Sunday, though. See, the doctor says, I want you to come back next time, and we're going to do some more blood work, then I'm going to tell you how bad you are, then send you out and do it again. Exactly. Yeah, so, who would go to that doctor? Yeah, it makes no sense. And so what this type of preaching does is it does two things. It either produces a bunch of self-righteous folks who think none of those messages apply to them and that they're perfect, or it, preaches, or it produces a bunch of people in despair going, oh my goodness, I'm a sinner. What constant, am I going to do? Constant condemnation. That's right. That's a horrible way. And you know, in the holiness, Pentecostal holiness movement was bad about that mm-hmm. years, 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 years ago because we were just preaching sin and and some of it was wor- some of it was man-made stuff yeah and so you you're living, you're thinking people have church th- this happened people have church think i can't ever live up to that mm-hmm. i can't live right i can't ever you know i'm going to try cuz i don't want to go to hell but uh, yeah you got to have both you, you know jesus the bible says that we talked about this before jesus became full of grace and truth. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We behold his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You gotta have truth. Truth is, you're a sinner. You've broken this law, this law, this. Mm -hmm. But you gotta have grace. That's right. That says, but you can be saved. That's right. Always grace and truth. And so that's maybe what we would call, if we're kind of sticking with our language with here, we always wanna maintain like a, a solid law gospel distinction. You never want to confuse the two. You should never preach the gospel without preaching the law, and you should never preach the law without preaching the gospel. They always go together. They just have to remain distinct and separate. You you get into problems when you start confusing the two. So when you start telling people, hey, you're a sinner, but the solution is just more law, well, instead of Jesus's yoke being easy and light and lifting your burdens, you just weigh you just put more weight on people. So tell you're a sinner and you just need to get your act together. You just need to do better. You need to try harder. You need to do those things. Well, of, of course, there is, there is a point in which we exhort people to live right, but that can only flow out of first the gospel, which is that Christ lived right for you and he died for you. And now his spirit can live in you, receive the forgiveness of your sins, get all of that weight lifted off of you and then now give will give you power to live, live right in the future and comfort when you inevitably fail. I, I love to fish. You got to have the right equipment. I love to hunt. You got to have the right guns, right ammo. I, I, I love to work. I'm, I love to use my hands, build things, work on things. But you got to have the right tool. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if you don't have the right tool and do it the right way, you can end up doing more damage and good. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're talking about here, that it, 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 if you preach the law as gospel or the gospel as law, then to me, it's like taking a hammer and trying to change a tire. Mm-hmm. It won't I, work. It just, you can't use a hammer to change a tire. I mean, you can beat that tire and whatever, but it's just it's not going to work. Yeah, and and so it's it's not the tool that that you use. So um, yeah, I think that's true. Um, can I, can I, can we just kind of close on one other thing that's yeah. kind of just totally off the? So as I was preparing for this, I was looking in my Bible and. At one point here in this podcast, we went back to Romans 7, mm-hmm. and, and Romans 7 is really rich there about this 
what we've talked about today. Yeah. And Paul, and I'm not going to read all of Romans 7 and <clears throat> into Romans 8, but he, he talks about different laws, okay? And so I'll just tell you what they are. So he talks about the law of God, and then he talks about the law of my mind, and then he talks about the law of sin, and then he talks about the law of death, and then he talks about the law of the spirit of life. And so he just keeps talking about it, and then he mm-hmm. talks about the law in my members. Mm. So there's all these, so I sat down one day and really pieced all this together, and I think if I can do that right now, maybe it'll help some people. Mm-hmm. So in saying all that, he talks about the law of God, which he also calls the law of my mind, okay? So that's that's the moral law. And when it is the law, when the law of God becomes the law of my mind, then it's it's what I know is right and wrong. Mm-hmm. It's in my mind. It's the law of my mind. So that would be the Ten Commandments. Then he talks about the law of sin, which is also he calls the law of my members. It's the same thing. So that's what I do wrong in spite of what I know is right. Yeah. And that's also called the law of death. Mm. So the law of death is I know in my mind the Ten Commandments, but in the members of my body, I just keep doing the wrong thing. I keep saying the wrong thing. I keep making the wrong decisions. Well, that's that's death. Yeah. That's that's the law of sin. That's the law of death because the law of sin always going to lead to death. Then he says, that in Jesus, in this gospel we're talking about, you discover the law of the spirit of life, which Paul also said is the law of my spirit. So it's what rules my spirit now that I'm saved. And so here's what it is. Basically, in Christ, I've been set free. So it's what I know and what I do now that is right. Yeah. So not only do I know what is right, but because of the spirit of God living inside of me, the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus set me free from the law of sin and death. So now I'm free to do the right things, react the right way, say the right things. So what's in my mind, the law of my mind now is reflected in the law of my members. And so now, see, that's what I'm talking about. See how these mm-hmm. laws, okay? And and the way I'd like to just close this, which is so beautiful, is that it, it, he goes through all this Romans 7, he gets to Romans 8, and some of our listeners are gonna be familiar with this. But this is where Romans 8, 1, he goes and says, therefore, because the law of the spirit of life is sent me. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk after the flesh, but after the spirit, because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. It's beautiful. And so the moral law that created condemnation through Christ and the gospel sets me free from that and actually not only liberates me from the law of sin and death, but now sets me, liberates me to actually fulfill the law. Mm-hmm. And once I'm saved, I am no longer condemned by that law. Where I used to break it in the law of my members and say and do all the wrong things, now I fulfill it because of the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus, and there's no more condemnation. I am no longer under that judgment. And I think that's what we're talking about today is when the law of of God, the moral law, successfully leads me and points me and takes me to Christ. When it shows me what's wrong, takes me to Christ, and I believe the gospel, then the result is the condemnation is gone. I am covered in Christ Jesus and his perfection and his righteousness and his blood that he shed for me. My sins are forgiven and paid for on the cross, and the law can't condemn me. I'm in Christ. And neither will the judge. Mm-hmm. Now that I stand before God, the righteous judge who used to look at me condemned under the law, uh, that condemnation's gone. Instead, he sees his son. He sees 
perfect Christ Jesus in me. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's what. So uh, it's a whole new image. And he, yeah, oh, I think that's wonderful. That's rich stuff, right? There. Told y'all this is going to be good. These are good. <laughs> and you know, I, I want to just close with this little statement, and we'll let you go. Maybe this is a little pithy statement that you can remember. the The Protestant reformer Martin Luther said this: "The law says do this, and it is never done. The gospel says believe in this, and it is already done." Oh, that's good. Walk in that that peace and that comfort today. Well, look, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Join us in a couple of weeks as we're concluding our our series on the three uses of the law, where we'll talk about the law as a guide, uh, meaning that it's something that tells Christians what to do and how to live and how to image Christ Jesus. Um, Send this to somebody who needs it, and we will see you back in a couple of weeks. 